Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? It's Thursday. It's the podcast, and guess what? It's episode 101. Now, I've got some good news for you. What is it, Craig? I'll tell you right there. I'm going to keep this intro nice and short due to last week's mammoth 15-minute opener, which, you know, was justified. We had lots of lovely messages. And speaking of lovely messages, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you that got in touch. I think we responded to everybody. If we didn't, I'm really sorry, I must have missed you, but I'm pretty sure we did because by the time I'd finished on social media, my thumbs were red raw. They weren't really, it's fine. Um, Two things to say. If you listen to this on Thursday, then a week tomorrow, Friday the 18th of October, we are at York Theatre Royal with JB Barrington and Art Malik. Do come along. There are some tickets left. It'd be great to see you there. And we can have a nice old chat all together. Um, what else? Yes, right. Keep it short, Craig. Keep it short. Why, why can't I do it? Why can't I keep it short? I, um, earlier this year, I went to the Kiln Theatre in London to see uh, a couple of friends in a play. It was called The Sun uh, by uh, Florian Zeller. I think that's correct. I haven't got any notes in front of me. Um, it's currently on in the West End of London. If you are, if you're free, you should definitely go and see it. Um, uh, takes issues. It's it's pretty heavy, but astonishing performances all round. Um, but our guest this week is one of the stars of that play. Um, he's called Laurie Naston, and he is brilliant, and he's fantastic he's such a stunning performance in this place so do go and see it so i invited him on and we went to our favorite little tea shop in soho maison bateau greek street get yourself there if you want some nice cake and tea um and we went downstairs and we hit record and this is episode 101 of the two shot podcast with laurie naston enjoy and i'll see you at the end i couldn't even keep that short could i terrible enjoy No, because the thing was, was supposed to do one this morning and I've been quite busy with work and this and organising dates for people left, right and centre and some people dropping out and then having to refill spaces. Yeah. And um, I had a a one thirty booked today with somebody and I emailed their representatives uh, yesterday to go, so we're all set for tomorrow, one thirty, And he went... Yeah, you're a month early. It's 10th of October. <laughs> so oh, And he also went, and it's not 1.30, it's 2.30. So I've got it completely <laughs> wrong. Okay. I just thought, but I thought after God knows how many bloody episodes, yeah. that's the only, and because I, I do all the booking of all the guests, it's the oh, only good. time that I've messed up. So I'll just sort of let myself off the hook. And then I was trying to fill their spot but it was just, no, it's too much to ask with less than 24 hours, do you know what I mean? So are you back down in October anyway? We will be now, yeah, because I've got to do that 10th of October. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll fill other, other spaces, just the way it is. Yeah. But we met upstairs across the road in Soho, Laurie, mm. and um, I said to you, not that we talk loads about work and jobs on here, because mm-hmm. it can tend to be dull, boring and or self-indulgence oh, <laughs> so we don't do that <laughs> but you did say something that interested me because you said I asked you how the play was going and you said yeah different you said it was different so one interested to know yeah. when something because it moved from Kilburn yes to the West End so we were at the Kiln which is uh, a small feels like a nice local theatre um, 300 seats a nice studio mm. and then now just just physically being in a space that's twice as big twice at least twice as high and twice the amount of people who are in there you know 600 instead of 300 and and also we've kind of been away from it for four months and sat with the play and with each other and friendships have got stronger and we are playing a family and we know each other better now so yeah. um 
yeah, I think things do feel a bit different. It feels good, and it's nice to have a different audience in, and people react differently to certain bits. You, you know, there are new laughs at places where they weren't, and there are also places where we would always expect something to happen, and now it doesn't. So that's kind of weird. It's interesting when that happens. Do you think yeah. it's lost? Because I, I remember when I saw it at the kiln, and it had beautiful intimacy. Mm. Do, have you, do you think it's lost any of that w- with not. regards to a, a larger space? I think the because we're at the Duke of York's, which is quite an intimate. Even though there are six hundred people there, they're not too far away, and it's where I don't know if you saw Summer and Smoke, but that was there, and that was a, another kind of really intimate um, thing. And Patsy Fern mm. was so good in that, and I think it, it hasn't lost that. I hope. Um, but, you know, I, I, I wonder what it's like being sat right at the back of the stalls underneath the lip and not being able to see the whole thing. It would be kind of weird. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. But it's hard, isn't it, because you you can't exactly think like that because you've got to maintain the performance of what you've been rehearsing. Yeah, and, exactly. And be truthful to the piece. And it is... I, find, I didn't find there was many laughs... I, I, know. Found, I found it really intense. Yeah, it's I not an out and out comedy, I suppose. Um, but I think it's because it is intense in lots of ways. I think people are, you know, it's like you're just searching for something to laugh at or like a moment of lightness, yeah. and that then becomes escalated because you're like, oh, great, we can we can take a minute off now, and it's a release, because, yeah. It? Because and sometimes it's that nervous laughter when people 100%. don't know what to do. Exactly, that happens a lot, especially when we're talking about. Such subjects as, you know, severe mental health problems yeah. and depression and divorce and the breakup of family and exactly. the break of the mind of such a young, fragile lad. Mm. Do you, are you certainly, did you learn from being there at the kiln running it the first time to look after yourself with such a part? Like yeah, that? I think so. I think we as a cast do get on really well yeah. and the rehearsal process, even though it was hard and it was five weeks and it was quite intense going in to do that every day, from the start it was it was very much said by our director, Mike, that we've got to be able to share stuff in this room and if someone says something that they maybe shouldn't have or, or they've overshared something or if if people feel like they want to be able to do that, we've got to you know really be there for each other and it was also a really silly rehearsal room in that we would like dance every morning um to pop songs and disco and kind of like throw it all off and then go like right okay we're here to do this thing let's do it so that was the rehearsal thing but I feel for me in the play there's so much that I not get off my chest, but he has like such an arc in the play that I kind of feel like I'd go full circle with it. And there are massive moments of lightness and there are massively sad bits, but there's also a a scene, not for any spoilers, but where I kind of get to check in with everyone at the end of the play. Mm. And for me, that's really important to just be able to sit there and go, Ooh, okay, we've done another night. We're all still here. We're doing this show. And now it's the end and great. And let's go out for a drink. Because um, it's a release and you have to sort of... But it's like you said about the rehearsal being silly. You do have to mm. get the pop songs on in the morning. And exactly. If you're, it's like if you're filming a really intense drama, you'd probably have more laughs doing yeah. that than you would do filming a comedy. Yeah, exactly. Because you need that release. Mm. Otherwise, it's just too, too intense. Because I was thinking about it, of, of if you were doing an out-and-out broad comedy... Yeah. And you just felt like shit all day. The thought of then having to go in and do that, I think, would actually be harder than, than feeling all right and then going, OK, right, we're going to do this play about um, depression. Because then at least, I suppose, doing something in the tone of the sun, you can switch off and channel yeah. whatever's going on in your life and switch off, whereas you go... If you're doing a call and out, you know you're doing an out and out comedy. Yeah, you know, big fast. People are expecting laughs. Yeah, and they need that's big pressure. We need us to bring the funny, and I ain't got the funny in me today. I'm yeah, afraid. that would be hard because we all have the worst days sometimes. Mm. And you think you've got to 
ramp yourself up and get into that theatre. Yeah, it would be tricky. entertain them. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. I don't feel like it. No. So at least with if, if I have a shit day on this, I'm like, all right, well, I'll go and let it all out in a bit. It'll be fine. And also straight through, isn't it? Great. Straight through. My type Two of theatre, hours. Laurie. We're done by 20 past nine. If you what say no interval, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. If you say three intervals, I'm, I'm running the there. other way. Yeah, although, saying that, I saw Fleabag when it was at the Soho Theatre. Yeah. And um, I had a beer before I went in and then thought, oh, I'll go and have a wee. And then I just... I needed a wee the entire show. Literally from, from, <sighs> the, from the second the lights came on. I was sat on the front row. One of those things where you... I think it, would, it had been on telly, so it had come back, and there were, like, online queues for about eight hours or something, and you're, you're staying in your position. Yeah. And needed a wee the whole show. And I was just willing it to end. And I was so gutted. It must have ruined it, it for you. It ruined the whole, the whole thing. I mean, it was great. But, but still, still. But in the back I was of your in mind, so you're much going, pain. busting for the toilet here. She's brilliant <laughs> She's that, really good. Like, I can't wait for you to finish. I know. That was I was really annoyed at that. Well, we all learn from our mistakes, Laurie. Exactly. So that that would be the advice if you come and see this show, have a wee before before you go in, because once it's you're a, out, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it was a horrible feeling because you want to be focused on what's on stage. You don't, and also whether you need a toilet or you've had a bad day, you don't want to be thinking about your day. You mm-hmm. come here to switch off and Escape. focus on what's there. Absolutely. Are you? Good. With, I mean, how long does this run? Ten weeks? Ten weeks. Which is not that long, No, it's is doable. It? It's absolutely doable. Have you done a longer run? I did six months in the Ferryman last year. How was six months? It was really good. We had so much fun. Because there was... I think there were like 30 of us or something in the cast, it's which was big. Cast, big but including babies and geese and children. Yeah. Um, but there was a, a good core group of us and you know five of us were sharing a dressing room we're all the same age and and I think it was most of our first West End job certainly was mine and just to kind of be there in a play that I already knew was good because I'd seen it I queued up for day seats oh long, you've seen it yeah. before did you see it at the Royal Court no I saw it in the Gilgood when, right. it, when it first came in <clears throat> and um, queued up and got day seats and then watched it and was like Whoa, okay, so that you was knew cool. what you were letting yourself in for, and then was in it. Yeah. So I was like, "This is great." Um, it was brilliant. You know, it is long, and it does take that that stamina thing. Um, Do you find it hard to to keep things fresh from a character's perspective, or certainly from an actor's? perspective? Yeah, I I guess so. But it, we were so supported in that because there were so many of us, and so if there were thirty people on stage, no, twenty people on stage for three hours, that's like. 60 hours of playing time every night so mm. there's so much that will change and go wrong and go right that was actually really fun to um, play around with it and I was playing a similar character to the person I'm playing now he was a bit of an outsider and um, yeah a bit of a loner but it was really fun to do that in this kind of big family I'm from a big family and it was this setting like a farmhouse kitchen and dancing around the tables and geese on stage and all that stuff it was just it was brilliant you say you're from a big family mm. how big's your family so i'm the youngest of four boys so i've got three older brothers right. and now three sisters-in-law and um two nephews and nieces and oh it's just expanding ex- extending <laughs> by the day um it's great it's really good and where was growing up shropshire? yeah the shropshire north wales border um, there's a little town there called Oswestry, which mm. we lived outside of, about five miles away from there in the country. It was great. A happy, happy childhood growing up? Yeah, defo. It was just... I mean, you don't know any different, do you? No. But it was adventurous and fun and outdoorsy and... Um, it was right. It was really good. Were you just kind of one of those where you were just thrown outside in the summer holidays and go, right, I'll see you at tea time? Pretty much. Yeah. Because we, we just lived in a big field. Well, we just had fields all around us, basically. So it was a little boy's fucking dream of just, like, climbing trees. And we had, like, ponds that we would jump in. And mm. I had mates who lived down the road and we'd come over. And In fact, one thing I did all the time was make films every night. Before. Yeah, yeah. Every day when I came back from school, where did I, that come from? I don't know. Actually, I think I do know. I watched a film when I was growing up called Son of Rambo, 
Great film. Great film. With the lovely Will Poulter. Absolutely. Yeah. And Bill Milner. And oh, Bill. Of course Bill. Yeah. I love Bill. And maybe it wasn't directly from that, but I think I recognised myself in that character because they were just doing it and making stuff. And, and having outdoors f- all the yeah, time. Yeah. Really good. I, I think I got a camera when I was 10 or something for Christmas and it had all these settings on it. One of them was like a... It's a time-lapse, isn't it, where you take all the photos? Yeah. In, in, um, and, I, and I would set it up and point it at the sky on a time-lapse thing and go about your day and you come back an hour later and then I'd watch it back and you'd just see clouds just forming out of nowhere and rippling and coming and disappearing. And I was like, that's real-life magic. Yeah. That is really cool and that's happening all the time. So I, I think I just kind of realised that that a camera and those kind of things were just perfect for creativity and having fun with. And we'd always write little scripts and I'd enter little film competitions at school. And, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that a lot. How was school for you? Yeah, it was all right. Um, all right? It was all right. It was a kind of... Um, it was like a Welsh... Like, basically just farmers' kids... There were like a thousand of us over the whole thing. There was a mm. sick form there. Do you know what? It, it was good. As I say, you, you only know what you know. Of course. Um, I think it was tricky at, at times where you're, you know, adolescent and figuring out everything and who you fancy and what's going on. And, and who you are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That, that, you know, we all go through that. Yeah. But I think it, it was pretty good. And there was a good drama department there. And, what was that? Yeah. Um, we had... Our GCSE teacher was great, Miss Harrison, and then we had another teacher, Miss Saunders, came in, and um, she was just she just brought in this energy, and that that was when I was going into sixth form, and I think she was probably the person that really got me into it and made me think, oh shit, maybe I could do that as a thing, because because you didn't really being from the countryside or at least a bit further north mm. all the people who I would look up to who would be young actors or just most actors I, I found at the time were people who lived in London or were from backgrounds of that kind of thing Yeah, and so it felt like a, a kind of impossible task to get into it from this like small comprehensive school in uh, Um Say that again? Slambuslin. Nice do you speak Welsh? A little bit. A dip in bath. It's funny, I, I showed a picture to a friend of mine this morning. I said, oh, this is, this is Laurie who I've got on the podcast today. She went, oh, is he Irish? Ah. And I went, I don't think so, but no. I, I understand where you're coming from with that. So yeah. There is no Irish connection. No, my sister-in-law is Irish. and um, Do you get that? Do you get mistaken for... Yeah, a little bit. And... I think it's the Celtic thing. Yeah, probably. Isn't yeah, it? my my hair's a bit red and I've got freckles. <laughs> it's just kind of the thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I can't remember what we were talking about. No, well, let, um, we were talking about that it takes one teacher to yes. to, to plant that seed or inspire, mm. and she was the one. Yeah, she was. It was just like if you want to do it, then try it. You should. Yeah, yeah. and and I auditioned for drama schools because. I thought that was the only way in, which is fine. Um, and then I didn't get in. And um, by the time that year had come round again, I was kind of already doing stuff. I, we, me and Miss Saunders, Mandy. I'll call her Mandy now, I've left school. It's fine. Me and Mandy. See, it's so funny. I find that really difficult because <laughs> I'm still in touch. I mean, I definitely I'm can't call her one Mandy. of my teachers and I still call him Mr. Yeah, and every time he sends me an email, he signs off. Yeah, with his first name. I, like, I can't. I can't you can't do that. it. Sorry, it's a breach a of trust. I'm 42 years old. <laughs> I, know, I should yeah. be able to call. No, it's not right. It's not right. Not right. I take it back, Miss Saunders. Miss Saunders. Um, we set up a drama group. That was great, and it was. Called, uh, it was this outside of school. Or it was. Did... It was part of the school, but it was after hours, um, and it was called the Lonely Tree Youth Theatre because there was a. There's a hill near the school and there's one tree on the top and it's called the Lonely Tree. It's yeah. kind of a uh, local, I don't know, landmark. Landmark, yeah. is, is what I want to say. Um, so we set up that and 
And was there a lot of call for it? Was there people who wanted to, to join? Yeah, well, it started out with, like, five shy girls who came for the tuck shop. And then within about four weeks, <laughs> there were 80 of them. And no it was way. great. It was so good. That spread like wildfire. Yeah, it did. And Was she the only teacher who was... Yeah, she was, yeah. Um, and she... I think she still is the only teacher, the only drama teacher there, and she just has so much to do. Um, I mean, all teachers do, but, like... Are you still in t- touch with her to this day? Yeah, a bit. It's hard, isn't it, once, mm. you, once you kind of move and yeah. are doing different stuff. But, um, yeah, she's brilliant. So we set up that, and then I also was part of the National Youth Theatre of Wales, um, which was brilliant. And I would just so recommend to people who, who can do it to go for it. Um, just to meet like-minded people who are your age, who maybe are a bit weird like you, it's really, really good. Did you consider yourself, quote-unquote, weird? I don't know. Not not massively weird, but but there was stuff that I just wouldn't get on board with in school and, and didn't feel like it was necessarily the place that I was learning to to be myself and, and getting the best out of stuff. Well, academic-wise. Yeah. I was always all right. You know, I got, like, Bs and stuff. Um, I was fine. But I just find it quite frustrating. And I'm so bad at revising. And I would just fully procrastinate. I could only revise for about an hour, and that was from, like, midnight till 1am. Just because there's always too much stuff to do. And I would just be, you know, doing anything else. There's always other stuff to do. We yeah. can always find more stuff to do, I can always find we? things to do. <laughs> but at that time, it was like, okay, everyone else is in bed, and I'd put on some kind of weird, repetitive, like, Steve Reich music. Mm. And um, I still do that now, actually. After going, finishing The Sun, when it, was, it was more when I was in Kilburn, I would go and sit on the train and just put that music on, like... Uh, music for 18 musicians and that kind of thing that just like takes your mind elsewhere Away. and means yeah. you don't have to think about stuff. I find that really helpful. It's, re- that's it's really like meditation. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, so yeah, that, that would kind of be the only time I could revise. And so for that, I was just, I was just shit and hated exams and felt, did not feel confident with it and felt, you know, I love it when 16 year olds feel like they're, the world's really against them and how dare they. But I did. I was like, how do you think that me learning this for an exam is going to judge whether I can put anything into practice? I find like it was a, yeah, it was a, a nightmare. But did you know at that time what you wanted to do or certainly try and achieve? I don't think so. Because I didn't really have any role models who were actors. And I but didn't But there was really... certainly an artistic streak within you. Yeah, I think so but I just didn't think that it was really a possibility. Um, I didn't know anyone who'd been to drama school, didn't know anyone who, who'd ever done a professional job or anything. So it was always just a, oh, yeah, I like drama and I like theatre studies and I like making stuff, but it didn't feel like there was a, a, a career in it because it was kind of a bit unheard of, I suppose. Mm. Um, so, yeah, after then doing the National Youth Theatre, and I was also part of a youth group at Theatre Cluid in North Wales in Mould, it's a great theatre and I'd go every week and that was kind of my way in really because then Were you putting on productions in this club? Yeah, we, we would do like a, a summer show and it was, it was really great and again like 30 people my age who are from a similar background and sound like me and we would just hang out and have fun really mm. was great and you know you, you've now got 30 new mates yeah. although it was like an hour away from my house so and I couldn't drive because it was I was 16 at the time and so then your mates live like an hour and a half away so that was rubbish yeah that, that was kind of a common theme actually growing up where we did was Be- because of because of exactly where you were yeah kind of like I would travel about an hour and 20 minutes to school in the morning Really? Yeah. God, that's a stretch. Yeah, it? really long. So we get picked up. There were a few of us who lived in the same little neighbourhood and um, we would share a, a taxi every morning because all our parents were working and stuff. Mm. So we'd all get a kind of shuttle bus to the bus station and then get the bus to the thingy. But we'd leave at like half seven and get there at nine o'clock. It was a nightmare. 
That's a long yeah, day. really long. So then when you can't drive and your mate might have been doing that but an hour and a half the other way, you realise that you live, what, like two hours away? Yeah. Not, I mean, not, not really. It's not like hundreds of miles, but it's just little country lanes and if you can't drive, it's, you're It buggered. was a no-go, it? No. There's no bus service. So, I'm, I mean, all teenagers do, but we'd all, like, go to town on the weekends and go and watch films in Shrewsbury and jump in the swimming pool because it was like, cool, we're being teenagers now. Yeah. Yeah. But did you make good, solid friends there? Yeah, definitely. And I'm still in touch with lots of them. And, and it's funny, isn't it? You move away and meet all new, different, like-minded people. And you're like, oh, OK, that, they're different to who I was when I was growing up. And then you hang out with your old mates from, from school. And you've just got that in straight away. Your sense of humour's the same because you formed it together. Yeah. The same things will make you laugh. And I, yeah, it is nice. It is really nice to to still have that. And you, it's that thing where sometimes you don't see somebody for quite a long time. Yeah. But because you've got that history, you immediately pick up exactly where exactly. you left off. It's like perfect. you've stopped. That you've paused the conversation yeah. from six months, literally and then six months or two years, and, yeah. you're, and you're straight back. Mm, it's it's great. My uh, a friend of mine had had just moved to. She was in Mexico for like two years. And um, I didn't know she was there. I wasn't on Instagram for or Facebook. Um, so you, you just kind of, like, lose touch with all those people. Yeah. And she just texted me. She was like, oh, I'm in London. And I went and saw her. I probably haven't seen her in about two and a half years. And it was just like, all right, how are you doing? Cool. So, how, like... Immediate. It's just immediate, isn't it? And that is really nice. And I, and I didn't realise how important that was until moving away and starting those friendships again going you really do know me in a way that lots of people definitely don't but it's a sign of a, a true solid friendship mm. it means that you can just pick up I've got a few friends still back in Blackpool who I don't see from one year to the next yeah. sometimes years can swing by and in fact I was working in Manchester not so long ago and the phone pinged and it was a friend of mine who I haven't seen for Three years. Mm. Well, the conversation completely flowed. Perfect. Like we just left each other a week ago. That is so nice. Mm. It's, it's comforting and really important. Isn't yeah. It? To have that anchor. I yeah. Suppose. And I think you don't realise how important it is until until you need it again. Um. Yeah. So there. Yeah. So when? What was the next stage after? So th- it was theatre cluid. Theatre cluid. Yeah. yeah. And then they were doing a production of The Winslow Boy. Right. Um, Terry Hands, who was the artistic director at the time, was putting that on. And um, they were looking for a boy to play Ronnie, who's 13 in the play. So this would have been a professional production at the the main house, yeah. Um, And because I kind of had ties a little bit with the youth theatre, Jane, our director, I'd left by this point, the, the group, but... Excuse me. Um, I'd left by this point, but Jane emailed me and said, Terry is looking for this boy and he's been looking down in London and he's looking all over the shop, but he hasn't found him yet. So I think you should go up for it. I was like, all right. So I went in and read for it and got the part. Right. And Theatre Cluid is so good. And it was, at that time, it was a rep, kind of a rep theatre company. So it had associate actors that, basically would be in all the shows but it was like 40 people or something and then everyone would do a different part and so I'd grown up in the last maybe four years at that time where I was like 15 and starting to enjoy theatre and that kind of thing going and watching all these shows going these guys are fucking amazing Mm. and the the productions were like genuinely brilliant and really exciting directors and the actors were brilliant and I'd go and watch them all and I'd kind of wait behind in the bar afterwards and be like, I uh, saw you in, um, in that show and you were really good and then I saw you in that one and you were really good in that and I saw you in Gavin and Stacey and that was cool. <laughs> um, and then overnight, got apart and then was in the, the room with them. Yeah. And that was properly mind-blowing. I think I was 18 at the time and it was just like, oh shit, it's quite overwhelming. something's happening now. Um, Really overwhelming, but really exciting. And yeah. I kind of, you know, had to prove myself a bit. And I stayed in digs in Mould, and that was fun. That was the first time I'd kind of moved out from home How for a long feel, period of time. staying away? Because not only is, like, this is, like, 
big professional job. You're not on the outskirts anymore. You're in the mix yeah. with all these actors, and you're away from home. Yeah. How how are you when you're by yourself? I think I'm pretty good, actually. Yeah. yeah. You're good with your own company? Yeah, I think so. Um, I really like music, and if any time music is on and I'm alone, then it's grand, because it's just, there's somewhere else to go. Um, but yeah, it was really exciting, because I didn't go to uni, and I didn't do that stuff, so it was kind of a first foray into, oh, this is what digs are like, and this is what work is like. Um, it was brilliant, and we had such a good time, and I'm still in touch with that cast and um, Ellie, who played my sister in it, came and saw the show the other day and she oh, came up from Folkestone and she's got kids now and she came up to see it and it was just like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. So yeah, then did that show and um, was applying for drama schools at that time. Was this the, was this the second run of applying well, this, at drama this schools? This was actually that same winter. Right, so, that, okay. so this was like March time and um, I hadn't got in anywhere and then an agent came up to see the show who's looking after one of the people in the show mm. and, the Winslow boy yeah, yeah. To, to see the Winslow boy and I spoke to him afterwards and he was like we, we can't take you on but what you should do is buy the spotlight contact book and put three monologues on a tape and just write to people and so I did I bought it I bought the book and started at A in my home and just wrote to every agent in London. Did you? Yeah. You physically wrote. Yeah. Pen oh to no, paper? no. I, I, email, I oh, you emailed because all the email addresses are on the on the on the book. Of course they are. So I find all the ones in London. I was going to say that'd be a lot of letters. Too much. <laughs> too Way much. too much. I mean, uh, <laughs> forget it. Um, I love dedication, but that's <laughs> nah, a mistake. That. Um, so yeah, did that, and by the time I got to G in the book, there were kind of loads of replies of saying, "All right, come in and meet us," because I guess. I was 18 and I'd just done this job and, mm. and probably most 18, 19-year-olds are just about to go into drama school or whatever. So they were a bit intrigued. So I went down and met them and, and um, it was great. And I kind of was in the position to be able to go who I wanted to work with. Yeah. And so I signed up with an agent, Caroline at Felix de Wolf, and she was amazing and uh, kind of went from there, really. And was there, was there a moment... When you were in Theatre Cluid doing that first job where you went... Because we'd spoken about, I asked you before, or did you think that this was going to be a career plan mm. path for mm. you? So did you feel now, having that first professional job, and then you've got this agent, oh, yeah, I think I can do this now, I think this is... Yeah, I think that was, that was the, the turning point for it, um, which was really exciting. And I had loads of support from... <laughs> my brothers and my mum and dad. I was going to ask about your parents. Yeah, they're brilliant. They're really good. What do and they do, Laurie? So my mum, um, she was a midwife and then she was a children's nurse and now she is a nurse in an all-girls school. So she's, wow. she's brilliant. Um, and my dad... Does anyone really know what their dad does? Do you know what I mean? This, like, accountancy or something? Something about finance... He, he does loads of shit. <laughs> uh, but he also builds sheds. Uh, not professionally. Griff, but... do you know what your dad does? Yeah. Shake a PE teacher. PE Okay, yes. Fair enough. <laughs> I know, but that is <laughs> that's, that's yeah. very specific. Yeah, fine. But no, he's a man of mystery. No, he's not really. He's great. Um, is he a spy, Laurie? I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> and he wouldn't tell me anyway. Um... But uh, they were always... But they were really supportive. Really, yeah, well up for it. Because all my brothers all went to uni and they all did their own thing and they all had a gap year and... Um, did they go off on their gap year and do yeah. all their travelling? Yeah, Ollie went round... Um, I can't believe my mum let him do this, but, like, went round at 18. So he's 10 years older than me, so this would have been, like, 12 years ago, at least, 13 years ago. Just went round Peru with two mates at 18. No phones or anything, and just went and did it. And I remember that feeling of... So he was 18, I was eight. Of um, It was when emails were all, like, starting out and he had yeah. an email address. And just waiting. I, we, we probably had, like, one email a month or something where he'd go to a little internet cafe. And just that feeling of, oh, he's written. And he's, 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 he's in um, Timbuktu. Yeah. And he's gone to a music festival and seen a camel in real life. <laughs> and just that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, they were always really up for it. Yeah. 
but but they were supportive of of all the boys of doing what they wanted to do, and um, this was kind of my go. So they were like, "Yeah, do it." And it's all about happiness, I suppose. If your yeah. children are doing something that they're fulfilled with, and they're mm. happy, you're going to be supportive. Aren't Definitely. You? And they're both. My mum and dad are both from like a thousand years of Welsh sheep farmers, and they were kind of the first generation to not just do that as your job when you were that age. And following um, those footsteps. Yeah. yeah. So I think they kind of set that up for us as well. To, you know. to break the mould. Yeah. And um, it was it was very much just do the thing that you want to be doing. And if you're good at it, then that's great. Um, so, yeah, it, it always felt like a, a thing that we we're all in together. So it was all going quite well so far. Mm. We've got the job at Theatre Cleary. Yeah. Then we emailed all these agents and we've got one, beginning mm. with F. Yeah. So what was the next stage? Because, so, I mean, you've got this agent who's now based in London. Yeah. Were you going to stay where you were? No, or? so then I um, I came down to meet some agents and also um, to look at a house. I'd found one on Gumtree or something, and it was in Archway. And then I turned up, and the guy was dodgy, and it was twice as much as he said it was, and he was like, I'm going to need... Three grand in cash up front and your passport. Sure you are. I was mate. like, oh, brilliant, that's fab. <laughs> um, so I was like, that's just not going to happen. But thanks for your time. And uh, did you go down to London by yourself? Yeah. And so you were eighteen. I was nineteen You're by 19. that point. But then he was like, oh, if you look at the the cork board at Archway Station, they usually put like classified ads there of people trying to rent a room. So I was like, all right. So I was a bit deflated because I'd come all the way down to meet him and he, and he was just, a, I don't know, Rip whatever. Off yeah. yeah. And so then I called all the numbers that were on this cork board and nobody had a room or no one was picking up. And then I called the last one and I was like, hi, I'm at Archway Station and I see that you've got a room. And this woman answered and she was like, are you wearing a red shirt? I was like, yeah. She said, turn around. And I turned around and she was sat there. She used to work at Sharon's Toiletries next to, <laughs> next to the station. And she was like, I've got a room. And so we walked to her, to her house and it was like 400 quid a month, cash in hand. And um, I went back on the train and got my bags and moved in the next day. Did you? Yeah. And that was kind of terrifying. I was going to say, with the intention of just writing with just a, doing throw it. my hat in well, the I've ring. I signed up with the agent by that point and I was like... If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to uni. You know, it was September this, by this point, and you go, maybe I'll, I'll apply for drama schools again. But I already had the agent, so I was like, oh, we'll just see how it goes. And as I say, mum and dad were like, you've got to do it. Why not? So we packed my stuff and then drove me down. And uh, they left me in this, this council estate in Archway. And I just remember my mum crying as the car drove away, and then probably me crying as well. Um, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it was a, big. It's a big step it was for big. a nineteen-year-old, especially when it's not like you come to dive in to do some training with a load of like-minded individuals. Yeah, it's not like you've got a job in the arts. And did you have a job? Uh, you know? Yeah, I worked in a few different places, bars and restaurants, and oh, I think I worked as like potentially an illegal ticket tout for a day. Um, we've all been there <laughs> we've all we? done that uh, so yeah just that kind of thing but yeah it was scary and it was brilliant and liberating and you go holy shit I'm in London and I've always wanted to be here and my brother lived here 10 years ago in Dalston and this is great um, but also yeah that is right and, and not having because I had a gap year and so did maybe five of my mates but then by the time we all finished they were all going off to uni so I was kind of the only one who who was like not doing that thing and doing something a bit different and just being on being on Facebook and seeing them with all their mates at Freshers and they've met you know loads of new people and I was with someone at the time who who just moved to to uni as well and just like you just have automatically 50 new pals yeah and that's great so that was quite scary I think I knew two people in London at the time and you just gotta you know hold on to those friendships, but it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, especially in the city. Yeah, and because everybody's always so you're always so, so busy. busy, so busy, and you can't blame anyone for that. Um, but it just kind of worked out, and I think it it took like six months to properly feel like I'm here and I'm settled, and because that was a thing, I'd moved down, I'd got an agent, I got a job in. 
casualty and then doctors and then like a little uh i had a modeling agent at the time modeling um where we did like adverts and stuff and you know being you get paid loads of money for that mm. for like a day and i was like okay i'm here i've got an agent i've got a job i've made some mates now but i still feel upset all the time and i still feel Why did out you feel, of sorts did you feel lonely or yeah, yeah. No, i didn't realize that was it and i was like what's wrong with you if you if you were miserable at home going i want to move to london and be an actor and now you're actually doing that and you're being paid for it and you've you know you've you've made it as you would think and you're still feeling like shit then there must be something really wrong with you um and that's a kind of not a nice thing to to go through on your own at that age. Did you ever speak to your parents about that? No, because... I don't know. Maybe I did. I used to go home quite a lot. Oh, did you? Back back home, just to kind of take the edge off a bit. And, you know, recharge the batteries. And yeah. Also, it's not like you're moving back. There's something quite comforting mm. to go back there, enjoy the home comforts, and yeah. then you and can then go, go back, back to in. the city. Yeah. But then... After about six months and I started to feel better, I kind of realised I just wasn't... I wasn't moved in yet. And it takes time to, you know, adjust to a new city and... And, um... Just got to kind of take... Yeah, take the, the pressure pace. off, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then got through it, and now it's great. And I've been here six years, and it's fantastic. Where are you now? Are you still around the north? No, I'm in Hackney now. You're in Hackney. Um, and I've been there for about... On and off for about four and a half, five years or so. Um, and I love it. That's brilliant. Have you completely adjusted to the, the way of living in London? Yes. I think it very much suits me, as does the, the kind of hackney, slightly slow, everyone's self-employed, shall we say, <laughs> and just not really doing anything. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. I'm near the park. I get to do yoga. It's great. Is yoga good for you? I think so. I didn't realise how, how much... I'm going to say meditation again, but it does feel like that, because you're... It's an hour. I, I really like hot yoga, and it's an the, hour the, of the Bikram. Yeah. yeah. Well, not not. Is it um, not Bikram? Well, that's that's like an hour and a half of like the set poses. I don't really go for that. There's the there's a really good place near me that does like a vinyasa thing, which is it's just like, like one of those hour. rooms that's like super super hot. So hot, but it's great. Well, it's only like thirty seven degrees, so you don't oh, feel right. like you want to die. But it you just can just completely open up, and you find yourself. Like laughing at how absurd the whole thing is and how good it feels, so it's great. Yeah, that's, really like that's part and parcel of self-preservation. Yeah, is that absolutely. something that you look into when time? I mean, when times are tough because you are in the city and you just happen to be an actor, mm. and we all know that it is a bloody roller coaster. Yeah. So are you good with self-preservation during the sort of darker times? Yeah, I think so. I've got really good mates and... Which is so important to yeah. have a secure network. Yes, that's really good. Loads of them are actors because they just are, you know, and loads of them aren't. And that's really nice as well. And it kind of, I think, keeps you a bit grounded to not get so wrapped up yeah. in your own world of I haven't had an audition or, or, you know, I've not heard back from this job. And they're like, it's okay. That's fine. I, I work in a bar, and there's more to life than that. Um, so that's really good. And um, yeah, I think I am quite good about it. I also like—I don't like staying in London too long if I don't have a job on. So what I'll always do, what like, do you do then? So I'll always like go away, uh, have a weekend away. I really like the sea. Um, go away to the seaside. Go home. Over the summer, I went away in a camper van for a month, and that was great. Wow. Um, yeah, my mum and dad have a camper van, and. Um, so I went back home and then drove it from my house kind of 4,000 miles away and back. It was great. What, just you? Yeah, I went with a few different people. Right. And over, the, over that time, it was great. We went to like eight different countries and France and Spain and drove all the way down to Croatia and Slovenia and Switzerland and back. It was really good. That summer holiday. Mm. It, I think it does you good. It does us good. does one. I, don't, I never like saying one. No. But it does you good. To step, to remove yourself from the situation yeah. and get out. Because I remember when I lived in London and I found it very hard because there was always a constant knocking on, on my door yeah. that everything was reminding me of work yeah. and the fact that 
I wasn't doing a certain thing, but it was there. Mm-hmm. But if I, I, knowing what I know now, if I'd have removed myself yeah. from the city, I wouldn't have been thinking about it. No. Because I would have been going down the beach or I would have been going for a walk in the countryside. Yeah. And that would have really helped and yeah. started to heal things. You yeah, know? So I, definitely. I can't recommend that more. I think that's a brilliant idea of mm. getting out. Yeah, just the fresh air. And also growing up in, in the countryside and being surrounded by fresh air and fields all the time, I think it is important to go back to that as well and remember what you what you know and what you were you know um i think that's definitely a part of me that you don't really get to access that much when you live in a really busy really expensive city Mm. so it's that mad thing of like you go 20 minutes on the train and it's countryside everywhere and it's sunny and the clouds look different and just you can just i certainly do just feel my shoulders drop and you go ah okay this is good but sometimes you don't realize that they're up to your ears and they have been for a week and you don't know oh why am i feeling so tense exactly it's because of that exactly and then nothing really matters as much when you're you know like going through a press night and stuff this week and and having the press in which is obviously you know meant to be so important and you've got your mates there and your agents there and all that stuff i know that if i went away for a weekend in the countryside and was just kind of walking somewhere. You'd go, it's fine. It doesn't really matter that much. Obviously, have pride in your career and the thing that you're doing, but I think it is really good to get some perspective sometimes and just go, like, we're all just doing it and it's all all right. It's all fine. We'll figure it out. Because you seem to me someone who does have things in perspective. You seem quite good I was going to ask you about how good you are at switching off and you've already answered that because you are really good at switching off mm. and that seems that's very it's important for everything but it's really important for upstairs yeah. especially when you're dealing with constant I mean, you, everybody deals with constant rejection all the time is that part is that something that you actively look out for if I'm going to throw myself into these auditions I'm going to make sure that I take myself out of this situation yeah to look look after yourself kind of but it's I think I try and do it but it's also easier said than done like I remember someone once said you've got to walk into an audition like you've already got the part and then leave thinking that you definitely haven't and you know you just kind of let it go and what will be will be but we all know that there are certain things that come along where you're like, I cannot stop thinking about this job. And it, you imagine yourself at the premiere and you imagine yourself, everything happening with it and moving to that location and whatever. Mm. So that is hard and it is easier said than done. But I don't know, you, you're just so not in control of it, really. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know, really. The lack of control is something that always comes up, especially when I, I talk to actors. And I was talking to... A few weeks back, I was talking to Lem Sisse, the, the poet. Mm. And we were talking about the power and lack of control, but the power and regaining power of saying no. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. That's. I know you think I should be doing that, but I, I, I'm going to say no. So I, I, I don't think that's right. It's the only real control we have, isn't it? Of saying yeah. no, no to stuff. How are you with that? I haven't had to do it that much yet. I think you are. Not really. Because um, how old are you now? 25. 25. Mm. And you're constantly learning, obviously, from job to job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you'd never, ever have that... Mm-mm. Maybe I should have gone to drama school or... Oh, God, no. Never. No. Um, why, would, why would you I mean, need I would have... to spend all that money? Well, it's that. I, I would have loved to have gone. At that time. At that time. Yes. But I wonder what would have, what would have happened if I had. And I am more than happy with what's going on in my life and where I am and the people that I know. Yeah. And... If I went to drama school, it just wouldn't be that way. Well, it would be a completely different path, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and I also really enjoyed the the kind of... Not that if you go to drama school, you don't do this, but, like, the graft of it and, and the hard times of it, because they... 
they form you and you know if you go like oh if, if I moved here at 19 didn't know anyone and I'm still alright then I must have done something okay yeah and reminding yourself of that um, I think is quite a healthy thing to do as well uh, yeah I would have loved to have gone and it was really hard at the start I remember like walking through Soho and crying just at, like seeing everyone having fun on a night out with their mates and me being like I literally have no friends and I mean, we're in Soho now. It was, just, it was literally just down the road on Old Compton Street. And there was this doorway. And I remember just crying my eyes out, being 19 and lonely and scared and here. And then this policeman came up to me. He was like, you are right." I was like, yeah, I've just moved to London and I don't really know anyone. I'm a bit scared and a bit sad. And he was like, it's all right. I did that as well. And it is really scary and it is really sad, but stick at it and, and you'll get there. And, uh, and I did. So I wonder, I, I definitely doesn't remember that, but I do. I wonder who he is. That's so important. What a lovely memory. Yeah, it's nice. I think it's, yeah, it's good to do that. Laurie, thank you so much for coming on to talk thank to you. me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was just gorgeous. You're a top, top man. Thank Thanks, you, man. All the best with the rest of the run of the play. Thank you very much. And another episode is done. You know, and I don't write, I don't mean this to sound or come across as patronising in any way at all. It's a, a compliment. I don't know a lot of fellas, Laurie's age, who are as centred and grounded as he is. Um, I certainly wasn't like that when I was his age. And it was so lovely to sit down and have a good talk with him. And if you know Laurie, if you've seen him, you'll know that he wears his clothes very, very well. The man has a lot of style. Um, right, well, I better push off. Lots of things to do, and I'm sure you have too. Um, probably want to buy some tickets for York Theatre Royal, Friday 18th of October, Two Shot Podcast Live, maybe, possibly. Mm. I know already that a few of you have come and you've got in contact. I can't wait to see you there. Um, right, well, uh... That's it. Next week is episode 102. I can't believe we're in the hundreds. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Um, right, can I say, mm, anymore? Ridiculous. Right, I'm going to go and bore myself. Take care of yourself. Be safe, be sound, and I shall see you next week. Until then, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Take care of yourself. Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>